Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Not everyone who makes a profession of faith will really follow Jesus. Now that's a danger because some of these people leave our churches and you say to them, are you going to heaven? Oh yeah. Back in 2004, I walked down in some church, this church. I prayed the sinner's prayer. I'm going to heaven. They ain't been back to church since. Are they saved? No, they're not saved. You might have heard the term professing Christian. Maybe you've used it to refer to someone you know. Maybe you use it to describe yourself. While the origin of the term isn't known, the Bible doesn't use this term to describe a follower of Jesus. Pastor Mark will be reminding you in his teaching today that Jesus didn't say, profess me. He said, follow me. You'll learn what the difference between professing and following is and how to figure out where you are between the two. You'll find out how to get things right with God if you need to and how to progress in your walk with Christ. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 28 as he begins his message. A real convert becomes a real disciple. There's 7 billion people in the world. Billions of them don't know Jesus Christ. Who's responsible for those people? You're standing. You're standing. See, God doesn't save the world through angels. God saves the world through people. Well, Pastor Mark, we don't have 7 billion people in our area. No, but we got tons of lost people. It's your responsibility. And to do that, well, you have to be a disciple. And you have to be growing. And you have to be filled with the Spirit. And what does that look like? And what are the problems with that? We're going to see what they are. So thank you so much. Paul was writing to a church, the Hebrews. And he does some loving correction In this verse, take a look at it. Hebrews 5.12. Paul says this. He'd be talking to a group of people, Christians. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, key word, again, the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Paul knew that there had to be some loving correction. 
there's always a need for loving correction for all of us, myself included. But we're going to be challenged to even step out further, those of us that are doing what God's asked us to do. Now, we had this thing called Harvest America, you remember. But I want to show you what happened. This is the stadium, and we know now in that stadium, more than 20,000 people walked down front and became new believers. On that eve, 20,000 people all over, all over the United States. In our campus, take a look at this, we had about 100 people that came forward, new converts, new believers, accepting Jesus Christ. That's great, isn't it? Last weekend, no Harvest Crusade, this campus, Sebastian, because you don't get to go to every service. You don't get, I go to every service, in case you didn't know that. You don't get to see everything that happens. Last weekend, we had 100 people at our campuses become believers. 100 people. So, 100 at our campuses from the week before. Last week is 100. We have 200 brand new professing believers. Here's the question. Now what? What do we do with them? You say, Pastor Mark, what do you mean, what are we doing? Pastor Dean's going to take care of them. You're going to take... No. Let me show you how it would work. What if I said, at the end of the service, we have 200 brand new, one-week-old babies that some of you need to take home. (laughs) Whoa. Some of you women go, praise God. Some of you women go, no, no way. (laughs) Well, that's what we have. And so we're going to learn... That you're responsible. I'm responsible. And the reason that we're going to learn this is because there's a danger to these new babies. I've asked you to turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 14. Now, as I begin this teaching, this is Jesus warning his disciples, giving them an understanding. What Jesus is going to say is this. Every time the Word of God is taught, there are usually four responses to the Word. When the Word of God is taught, it's living, it's alive, nothing wrong with the Word. You'll see the illustration. When it's taught, there's four responses, four different kinds of people. It was true in Jesus' day. It would be true in the new church, in the church in the book of Acts, and it's true in our campuses right now. We begin. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, every one of these four in Jesus' parable, hear the word. You're you're hearing the word. So all four have that same principle. They hear the word, but what happens? As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. This is a picture of a hard heart. These individuals are, well, they're in control of their own lives. They kind of think they have it together. Bottom line to these kind of people is they're unteachable. They sit in our services. Notice they hear the word, 
But before they can start to assimilate it, because realistically they have no attention of obeying, no attention at all of changing, but they hear hundreds of sermons. So while this word is coming into the ears, Satan just takes the truth right away from them. And of course, at the end, what Jesus says is there's no spiritual change. The seed goes, it bounces off, and there's, it doesn't matter how many teachings they hear. There is no intention of changing because they rule their own life. Verse 16, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word. So this is another reaction to the word being taught, exactly what's happening here in Vier. And at once, this is better, they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when, notice, trouble and persecution comes because of the word, because they're now standing in a different place. They believe in God. They believe in the word of God. And when trouble and persecution comes because of the word, I want you to say these four words together. They quickly fall away. Let's say it again. They quickly do what? Fall away. This is a picture of a shallow heart. These are new believers. These are new converts. They're temporarily excited. They're filled with joy. It's amazing. They can't believe it. What a quick change. But as soon as they start living this Christian life, trouble comes, a lab result, a pink slip, persecution because you're, a bo- you're one of those people that don't want anything to do with you. And pretty soon they realize this key. Serving Jesus is going to cost them. And because of that, they get discouraged, and Jesus says it, not me. They quickly fall away. My dad used to teach me this, quickly come, quickly go. So what happened? There's no real spiritual change. They are professing Christians. They never followed through. Well, verse 18 Still others, sown like seed among thorns, here again, they hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things, in other words, the everyday distractions of life, come in and choke the word, making it, say it with me, unfruitful. See, in John... Jesus says, you've been appointed to go and produce fruit. We're going to talk to you about the five kinds of fruit. So obviously, this is a person with a divided heart. They're trying to serve God here, and they're trying to live in the world here. Nothing good comes that you can't. Jesus said, you can't have two masters. So this is another one of those. These converts, these new believers, they receive Jesus They get started, they make a great start, but all of a sudden, the same distractions that come into our life come into their life, and they lose interest in the things of God, and they too fall away. There's no spiritual change. So what was Jesus teaching his disciples? 
And you need to understand, what was he teaching us? This is the same kind of four years. Every time I teach, or Pastor Dean, or any of it, if you share with a whole group of people, these are the responses we get from the Word. What was Jesus trying to teach his disciples? What's he trying to teach us? Here's what you want to write. Salvation is not just an event. It's a lifestyle. Salvation is an event. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, instantly he changes you, supernaturally changes. Your sins are gone, you're free. But what Jesus is saying is this, as we look at those individuals, not everyone who makes a profession of faith will really follow Jesus. Now that's a danger because some of these people leave our churches and you say to them, are you going to heaven? Oh, yeah. Back in 2004, I walked down in some church, this church. I prayed the sinner's prayer. I'm going to heaven. They ain't been back to church since. Are they saved? No, they're not saved. So we have 200 professing Christians. How can we help them not fall into these categories? Can we? Is there something we can do? Yes. We're going to be very intentional about changing some things. See, you just be with us. You're going to love it. Well, Pastor Moore, how should we respond when we hear the word? Well, that's why Jesus gives us the fourth response. Look at verse 20. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, notice they also hear the word, but there's a difference. They accept it. They produce a crop 30, 60 even a hundred times what was sown. Now, to produce a crop, it doesn't go boop. You don't plant a seed in the crops there in the afternoon. So what do we see? We see a lifestyle. They're plugged in. Now, this is a productive heart. These people hear the word, and they're ready to change. They don't only hear it, they obey. And because they obey, it's a lifestyle. Actually, the words hear, accept, and produce in the original language is continuing, continue to hear, continue to accept and believe, and continue to produce. They listen, they obey, they follow. And God honors that by making their lives fruitful. Pastor Mark, that's the here I want to be. How did this happen to this fourth person? Why the difference between the other? Let me ask you to turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28 in your Bibles I think you will see very clearly, I have an idea how it happened and how we can help these new believers that we have not only in the last two weeks, but every single week we have people that make a profession of faith. Now in Matthew 28, 19, this is called the Great Commission and one of the last things that Jesus commanded to his disciples before he went back to heaven. Look at it now starting in verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples. Say that with me. Make disciples. Notice it does not say make converts. And you'll see why in a moment. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's why we do missions, because there's people all over the world. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian and you've never been water baptized, then you're disobeying a very simple first command from God. Baptizing the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and notice this, circle this next word, and teaching, teaching them to obey 
everything Calvary Chapel teaches. Everything Pastor Mark teaches. Everything the Catholic Church teaches. Is that what it says? No, it says, everything I've commanded you. Where do we find the teachings of Jesus? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do we find it more than that? The teachings of Jesus are the whole word because John 1, he is the word. So all scripture, we're to look at the scripture and we're to teach people to hear the scripture. No, we're to teach them to do what? Obey the teachings of Jesus. Who's to teach them? You're to teach them. I'm to teach them. So understand Every new convert, every new believer starts in this thing called, they're a baby Christian. If you're here today, and you become a Christian at the end of the service, and you're 93, guess what? You're a baby Christian. But Pat, that, that doesn't, you're a baby, you're just starting. That's a common phrase used in the Bible. These new converts, these 200 that came, are baby Christians. Everyone starts that way. What is the goal for a baby Christian? Where is the end point of every single baby Christian? You said the words with me. Disciple. Disciple. It's not a convert. It's to become a disciple. And you said, well, Pastor Mark... What do you mean by a disciple? I'm really glad you asked. Let me tell you what I mean. Now, in the original language, the word disciple means this, learner. Here's my definition. Write it down. Here it is. A disciple is a lifelong learner under discipline, a growing, mature Christ follower. You see, the Great Commission is a command that goes way beyond evangelism. It's not enough simply to make converts and then say to these new babies, well, you come to church now, have a nice life. You would never do that with a baby. As you know, we have a new little puppy, Kimmy. She lost her womanhood this week. (laughs) So she has a stitch and she has a cone on her head. we're, We're cone heads right now in our family. That's what we are. Well, would we just leave her as a baby after she's had the surgery just to fend for herself? You say, well, what kind? No, you would never do that because she'll dig and she'll come at the little stitches. And Well, sometimes new believers, we go, God bless you. Congratulations, you got saved. Have a nice life. They're clueless. They don't know what to do. So the great commission was make converts, but then teach them to become Disciples. Every new believer is a baby Christian. It must be taught what this says and how to obey it. The core of discipleship is simply becoming like Jesus, Romans 8. As I grow, I'm not only learning things, but I'm becoming like him in character, in the things that I say, and and the way that I minister to people. So it's the teaching of the word, the systematic teaching of the word. That's what we do here. We systematically teach the Word of God, and then we challenge you, we correct you lovingly if you're not obeying. The whole deal is obedience. It's the end result. Now, let me show you God's plan for changing the world. 
It's not complicated at all. I want you to write this down. The Great Commission, you can put it into three words. Win, disciple, and send. So what does that mean? Win. Win a person to Jesus. It all starts there. Nicodemus came to Jesus. Very religious person. You might be here at our campus here or any campus. You're a very religious person. Religion will never get you to heaven. Religion is man trying to be good enough to get to God. Jesus came and God put his hand down through Jesus. He died on the cross. See, you can't get to heaven by being good enough. You can only get to heaven by being forgiven. So we have to have that first step. That's going, presenting the gospel. When a person, they have to be converted. Those 200 we just talked about, some of you will be converted at our campuses. What's next? The second step is to disciple them. It involves basically teaching. It's not just teaching, it's modeling for them. It's being around them, encouraging them. Teaching them to follow Jesus Christ. Not on Sunday, but 24-7. It's a lifestyle. It's not something we do on Sunday. Some of you open your Bibles, you come to church, praise God, you're here. You have your Bible. You'll never look at that Bible for the next six days. That is not the lifestyle that Jesus asked. See, that'd be like not eating food for the next six days. Spiritually, we have to feed ourselves. Then the third step is simply this. After that baby Christian starts growing, there'll be a point in their life where they're going to go out, and they're going to tell others. And so that cycle is simply the cycle that God designed. This cycle that you see, win, disciple, sin, is not a Calvary Chapel deal. It's no church deal. It's Jesus' way of transforming our world. Now, much of our world is doing really well. Um, As you know, Linda and I go to Asia a lot. In China specifically, where I get a privilege and I'll be going, but I can't tell you anywhere I'm going. It's just not safe today. But I get the privilege of teaching in some amazing places over there. And you know this morning there's 100 million Christians in China. That's more than the United States. You can go to South America, and that place is just booming with Christians. You can go to Africa. Africa's absolutely crazy for Jesus. They're growing like crazy. You have friends that are part of this campus here. They come here. I was invited, but I couldn't go, to an interesting church in Indonesia that's getting ready to build a sanctuary for 125,000 people. And that's a Muslim nation. So much of the world is doing, Christianity is booming. Europe is dead. All of Europe is dead. England's dead. Scotland's dead. Wales dead. You can go to any of those uh, campuses, churches in in that area. One to two percent of the people even go to church, period. The United States, we're doing okay. But as a whole, we're hurting too. Our nation is not a God nation anymore. Don't kid yourself. That's because the churches have been failing in the thing that I'm trying to teach you. But we're going to change that. Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain, but one truth remains steadfast. God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of your Creator. 
As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who despite whatever obstacles are in their way, they still worship Jesus and praise His name. We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com slash live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. And would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers, along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. If you feel led to support Lessons for Living financially during this time, we would be very grateful. You can donate online at calvaryccm.com. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.